Time now for the quote of the week. You know, when it comes to federal finances, I think the great irony going forward is that high oil and natural gas prices, which translates into, of course, much more uh, significant growth in government revenues, along with inflation, of course, which is running way over 5%. That, by the way, is in large part to not just supply chain issues, but there was a 27% increase in the, the money supply, M2 money supply in the last two years. That is inflationary. But my point is, that rise in oil prices, natural gas prices, but inflation, well, it's all consequences of government policy played a significant role in that, but it's going to add tens of billions of dollars in government revenue, which over the next few years, I think, gives the government, the feds, and in some provinces, look at Alberta, the ability to actually balance the budget, and they won't need to increase taxes, which brings me to the quote of the week by University of Calgary's respected economist, Jack Mintz, in quotes, if we want economic growth and sustainable budgets, government should hold the line on spending and not increase taxes. With high commodity prices and strong nominal GDP growth, the government will be flush with cash. Not only could its final deficit fall by over half the predicted level this fiscal year, but it could balance the budget in what, two, three years without raising taxes. Of course, to do that, we would have to stop spending like a mall shopper who's just won a five minute shopping spree. End of quote. I'm not sure what the probability of governments to hold the line on spending is. They have a different philosophy, especially with the NDP's Jagmeet Singh and Prime Minister Trudeau teaming up. But I just want you to know it's out there that with that huge rise in resource prices, especially oil, with inflation that pushes your income higher, even though it de facto doesn't buy you anymore, but you move up into a tax rate because they're not moving up the tax brackets anywhere close to as fast as inflation is rising. So bang, you're gonna be paying more in tax through that alone. But as Jack Mintz points out, well, it's easy. All they have to do is hold the line on spending, let inflation, let uh, resource revenues grow, and we could get back to a very sustainable financial situation in Ottawa and many of the provinces. Time now for this week's shocking stat, and it's certainly appropriate after chatting with Paul Beatty of BT Growth. But you know, it's kind of interesting. On the short lift for subjects that I received the most, say, negative blowback, pleasant way of saying it, over the last several years, is pointing out that we don't have a practical plan for the transition to renewable energy. No plan where to obtain or produce the resources necessary. And there still isn't. I mean, I thought that people who put climate change top of the list of concerns would actually thank me for bringing that up. But they didn't. But I'm hoping the serious energy problems that you know, have been so apparent since last October, when we have power shortages and restrictions, rising prices, whether it's in China or the European Union, well, I'm hoping will cause a more realistic look at energy and the key role it plays in our lives. I mean, it's literally the foundation of our standard of living. If you don't believe me, try going without it. And if we don't have a more serious discussion about energy and the transition to a low carbon environment, well, things are only gonna get worse. So. What do we need in terms of resources? Well, I'm gonna give you five examples from the research done by the International Energy Agency. All are compared with the amount we produced in 2020. For example, when it comes to rare earth minerals, we need about seven times more than we produced in 2020 by the year 2040. Nickel, we need 19 times more. Cobalt, 21 times more by 2040 than we produced in 2020. Graphite, 25 times more. And by 2040, we're gonna need 42 times more in terms of lithium.
I mean, think about that, because here's the other problem. You don't just turn a switch on to get a new mine. No, I mean, estimates take between eight and 10 years to develop a mine. And obviously we need to develop more. So I think you get the challenge, but it's not part of our discussion. I mean, by the way, the other challenge is that China is a dominant player in many of these minerals, which is why, by the way, the U.S. just seemed to wake up to the problem and announce a new program to boost U.S. supply of strategic minerals. But the challenge of obtaining or producing the necessary resources, the length of time it takes to get a mine in operation, the amount of mining that's going to be necessary is going to be massive. And by the way, you need diesel to power the massive equipment, as well as the escalating costs of the minerals themselves. Well, that's a stark reminder as to how unrealistic our politicians, our politicians, our climate activists, and their climate allies in the media have been and continue to be. We're not making any progress till we get real about the challenges here. That is the reality. So, you know what? Bring on the hate mail for pointing it out. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. You know what? This week, I'm going to take a respite from politicians who are bending the truth telling only partial truths, putting their and their party's ambition before the countries. No, instead, I'm going to give it to the slap heard round the world, the now infamous Will Smith slap of Oscar presenter Chris Rock. Now, in case you missed it, I'm not sure how you could have, but in case you missed it, late in the Oscar ceremony, Chris Rock was in the middle of sort of a brief monologue before presenting the award for Best Documentary, in which he included a joke about G.I. Jane. Well, little context. If you remember Demi Moore had her head shaved for the role as the first woman to undergo Navy SEAL training in that 1997 movie. Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has alopecia, which causes hair loss. So she decided a few years ago to shave her head. So Rock said something like, I bet she can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. Whereupon Will Smith went on stage, I think shocked the audience and Rock by powerfully slapping him in the face while yelling, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And he screamed it again when he went back to his seat nearby. I mean, it really was an ugly scene, very ugly. But that's not the goofy. The goofy goes to those in attendance because just a few minutes later, Will Smith won the Oscar for the best male performance and he got a standing ovation. Think about that for a moment. He gets a standing ovation despite, despite physically assaulting Chris Rock for the crime of telling a joke. Now, I want to be fair, Will Smith has apologized. I'm sure he is sorry for it. But what about the members of the audience? Well, Canadian Jim Carrey summed it up well by saying, in quotes, I was sickened by the standing ovation. Hollywood is just spineless en masse. And it really felt like this is a really clear indication that we're not the cool club anymore. Oh, my goodness, I hope he's right. You know what? Because I have no need for celebrities to lecture me on climate change or their opposition to the coastal gasoline pipeline which, by the way, is so profoundly steeped in ignorance, the consequences with regard to replacing the explosion in coal use in China and the impact on fertilizer manufacturing, well, or any other subject for that matter. I mean, can you imagine the reaction, though, if a white person had gone on stage and slapped Chris Rock? I suspect he or she wouldn't have received a standing ovation a few minutes later, no matter how good the performance. Just incredible. But as I say, I hope Jim Carrey's right. This is the end of, or the, we've seen peak celebrity.